Hi, and welcome to the 23rd episode of Desert Island Punks. I'm Jake, and I play in the punk rock band Sunliner, and this is my podcast where I ask friends and people I admire in the punk rock scene what five albums, book, and luxury item they would take if they were stranded on a desert island. We talk about why they love those records and how those choices have influenced who they are today. Uh, this week I'm joined by Danny from Norwich Scar Punk Band Faintest Idea. Uh, we hung out via the medium of the internet um, with a few beers and it was a really, really, really fun chat. Uh, it got kind of silly um, as it went along. Um, he's a really funny guy and his choices are really, really interesting as well. Um, I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, uh, please rate and subscribe. Apparently rating helps. I mean... I have no idea about these things. Uh, and you can also check out the Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Desert Island Punks. And of course, telling your friends, all that, it all helps. Um, I hope everyone's doing okay. We don't really mention anything about coronavirus. I feel like n- nobody wants to hear more about that. Um, hopefully, this is a nice bit of escapism. Um, so enjoy. Cheers. Welcome, Danny, to the podcast. How are you doing? Hello, Jake. How are you? I'm good. I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> I always love doing this because I always record like way early. Well, I always start way earlier. And then, and then you have to go like, how are you? And everyone's like, I just told you how are you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've just had a 10-minute conversation about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, how did you find picking your choices? Extremely, extremely difficult. And to be honest, <laughs> in an hour from now, I'm probably going to have picked a different five albums completely yeah. with just as good a reason. So this is <laughs> very, very hard. But it's, I just, I just kind of bit the bullet in the end and just, yeah. yeah. I think that's kind of the way to do it. I think like sometimes like uh, doing it where you are picking uh, like kind of almost the ones that first come to your mind. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of almost a better way of doing because I've I've spoke to a few people or had a few people on that really thought about it, like really agonised over it and like chucked and changed shows. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, like, almost the more fun thing is when you tell us that album that you don't necessarily like now, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. To how like you grew up? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that actually. I went back to some of my friends, like uh, from I'm still friends with a lot of people that I went to school with and stuff. I kept a lot of friends. So like, went back and was like, right, what am I going to pick for this this bit of of our yeah. lives, like what am I going to pick? And so yeah, so that was um, it was hard, but I, yeah, I enjoyed. I thought like what I pictured in my head was like right, I'm on a desert island, so I've got to pick albums. Do you know what I mean? To be yeah. on a desert. Island. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So we'll go for number one. Oh, no, number one, I picked Specials, the first Specials album. Okay, cool. Yeah, so this this was a big one. This so this could have been this could have been Toots and the Maytals, could have been Desmond Decker. At one point, I was going for a soundtrack of the Harder They Come because I thought that'll encapsulate a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, have you had any soundtracks? On We've it? had we haven't had any soundtracks. We had a few compilations, and like I'm usually a bit like no on compilations, but if they're like really specific, like you know, yeah. like a capsule, like of like. A moment in time i'm like that's yeah it's fun do you know what i mean i get that yeah i thought i thought i could add a soundtrack and add a bit of pizzazz you know what i mean <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but no so like when so i picked this this was like when we were great this was like the sound of my sort of early mid-teenage years this was like yeah. this was everything this so we got in so we got into scar 
um, but like older scar. We, uh, my mate's dad, who was who I spoke to about this, he just anything anything third wave. He just called plastic scar. Now I'm not personally into the third wavey sort of stuff. Yeah, but, um, he just he, he he was massive into two tone and then the earlier stuff like the old original Jamaican scar and then so Blueby Trojan Records and that and um, yeah so this was like huge for us I, I don't know if you can see I got like that was my first arm tattoo it was like the really sick yeah. yeah and it's just this just like it perfectly encapsulated everything I love like so they're all half the album is covers of old you know Jamaican tunes and that but it was done like. That's kind of like part of the. That's kind of like part of like that kind of scar culture, though, isn't it? Like, oh, absolutely, yeah. Reggae's like thirty bass lines that was written forty years ago, and then yeah, everyone's doing it. Like, I think like scar kind of reminds me of a bit like like kind of folk stuff, you know, like where it's like oh, absolutely, yeah. Where it's like there are like a few classics, and then they get remade and re like yeah, yeah, like over and it over. Is, over. Yeah, it's exactly that, and it was like it for me the sound of this just perfectly encapsulates what it was which was like it was obviously a lot of jamaican influence coming in from Windrush and all that kind of stuff mm. it was and it, it was i think into punk so it was like that it's got a raw edge than a lot of the obviously original jamaican sounds it's got yeah. you listen to roddy radiation the guitarist as well he's a, he's a rockabilly you know like it's got that a lot of the guitar solo and the guitar sound could be stray cats you know and yeah, it just perfectly encapsulates. I think actually that because it was produced by Elvis Costello, wasn't it? And I believe I didn't know that. That's fucking yeah, cool. yeah. Elvis Costello produced it, and I believe I read he. I'm pretty sure he tried to get the specials to sack Roddy Radiation. It was just like you don't need him in your band. At all. Really? <laughs> yeah, because he looks like he looks like a rockabilly, and he sounds like you know, and he's got that kind of chorusy guitar. Yeah, and, um, yeah. I believe he didn't want him in the band at all. But I don't know. I just I think they perfectly captured the sound of. Of, uh, of that kind of Midlands angry youth of the late 70s, do you know? What so, I mean? like, where, how old were you when you first got into this record? Uh, I would have been probably 16, 15, 16. So, I like, yeah. I got into punk before that, but then, yeah, my mate's dad sort of showed us this stuff, and then that's how we got into the scar and the reggae, all the old. So, that, and that was in, is that, was that in King's End then? Yeah, well, around here, like Norfolk's sort of everywhere spread out so i could list all the villages but it yeah. made no sense to most people yeah, yeah it's essentially like around here yeah it was all our like school friends and all that we got into big into like oh very weird because it's not a very diverse place norfolk do you know <laughs> but these are like i to an extent like i think that's not that wild because mm, you know I, mean? I think Scar has a bit of a weird history, doesn't it, when it comes to that sort of shit? Well, especially British, because obviously a lot of people were skinheads. Like my, my yeah. parents weren't. My parents were big into specials, madness, UB40, which is obviously a lot more popular, but it's still reggae influenced. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. Um, so, like, there was a big, big sort of skinhead culture of older people that still love it now. You, you speak to a sort of our parents' generation and that. Um, you can yeah you can see him you can see him a mile off I think do you know what oh, I mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it means like, <laughs> like a fucking rebellion crowd you know <laughs> oh yeah like opening a tin of chickpeas isn't it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but but yeah I, I, yeah just this album like every song on it I just think is fucking excellent do you know what I mean and for like for the time the energy and like the the anger that it captured even though it's not like an angry punk record it, no it, sure it captures that kind of edge of it. I think and it's also like, like quite like an ideal, not not idealistic area, but you know, like it's so incredibly nostalgic. You can listen to that album and like, or 
most of special stuff and you picture a certain space you know oh, absolutely you weren't the necessarily classic. in do you know what I mean? yeah i was obviously i wasn't there i wasn't born yeah. like yeah. i mean ghost town's the big one in it where like that song even now you picture exactly what it was like and yeah i mean hopefully it doesn't but you know like it's, it's getting a bit that way again and you're like you just hear that song and you're just like jesus this perfectly encapsulates the feeling and the, the vibe of what was going on yeah and then and then I, mean, the I, I think that's still relevant to like a lot of the sort of midlands towns now though to be honest absolutely yeah like post-industrial towns for sure definitely <clears throat> yeah and like as well and as well like um obviously rico rodriguez was on played on that album as well as the brass section didn't he like he was absolutely like jamaican legend i think he, i believe he played as well on the first message to you by uh he done first message to Danny Livingston. He played I did not. That, I did not. And know then, that. and then he played on the specials album as well. <laughs> <laughs> he played on the yeah. that song. Yeah, man. I used to go as well. Like my granddad. Uh, so I used to go before he died. We used to go see Jules Holland. My family's from South End and Essex, and that we used to go see Jules Holland every year. And Rico was playing trombone with him. And like every year, he just got obviously just every year he got older and more frail. And like they <laughs> wheel him out to do trombone solos <laughs> on this tune. Like you just like so, uh, towards the end, it was just like this is taking about three songs for him to get to the stage. The poor bastard. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> but he was phenomenal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think there's like, uh, I mean, like Scar can get a bit of like a lot of grief nowadays. Oh like, yeah, like, and rightly so in a lot of. <laughs> a lot of well, I mean, like it gets you know like shit Scar's just as shit as every other shit element yeah. of music. Do you know I mean there is still good? There's still a lot of like really good musicianship in it as well. Oh, that's. Oh, absolutely. Some of it, it's like Streetlight as well. I'm not massively into to third wavey sort of stuff, the newer stuff, but like Streetlight, particularly their brass section, is oh, fucking so good. insane. Like, yeah. just, even if you don't like the sound of what they're doing, if you look at what they're doing, you're like, fucking hell, this is impressive stuff. Yeah, it's really, really um, interestingly written Streetlight, I think, as well. Yeah, very, like, very much so. He's like, I think they're a five-piece brass section as well. Um, I know they've definitely got a baritone sax, which adds fucking beef to anything <laughs> yeah yeah it's like because you guys you so you've got bubble you usually have a, do you yeah. usually have a trumpet player as well if you can and then yeah we've got dave now as well who because little dan can't tour little dan's sax player bubble trombone and then dave's joined on trumpet as well because he he teaches and he can tour where little dan can't tour so. yeah because little dan's been in the band for a long time hasn't he but he's kind of like yeah yeah little dan pretty much as long as me to be honest but he can't do a lot so he actually gets really annoyed because so many people this still happens now people come up to him at the end and he's like oh like you know it's good you've joined a new band and all that and he's literally no way. Else. <laughs> he gets it all the time but yeah but yeah when we when we've got when we've got full people we've got three-piece brass and it sounds fucking killer yeah i mean it so, sounds good either way but like yeah yeah so does he like if you're doing recordings so does he do multiple sacks or is it just one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got baritone and then he usually plays tenor and he does have alto as well, but it, he he chose not to play alto because he's like 6'2 and he just said he looked ridiculous because he's such a <laughs> tiny sax. So he played tenor and then bought a barry because it's just they're fucking cool, aren't they? Like baritones yeah. are cool. They are cool, man, yeah. Yeah, deep fucking rumbling <laughs> sound. It's awesome. All right, but cool. it, so- it sounds, yeah, sorry. No, it's all right, man. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to number two. Number two. What have I got for number two? Oh, ICH. So, right, this okay. is hard. So, I admitted loads of other punk albums for this. Uh, 
I've chosen loads of other people have chosen the Clash. Have you had stiff little fingers as well? First, no, we've not had stiff little fingers. We've had the Clash. That was a contender as well because that's a phenomenal album. I picked ICH because this is, if not my favourite British punk album, now, it's definitely in the top three. It, this oh, okay. Is it, they were an underground band. Like it's just it's Ed Ake who's now in Casual Nausea. Yeah. So I I only know I've only, I've never seen ICH, but I've seen Ed a bunch of times. Yeah. So Ed does his acoustic thing. Tommy uh, and Rob are in Newtown Kings mm-hmm. and I think called the Wreck Up as well. Um, but yeah, they were ICH. So they were. I, this just reminds me of really good time, like playing gigs with them and that in rounds sort of between 2008 and 2010-ish, around that sort of time. But they were just phenomenal. They were just like, they, I think they were from sort of Essex and that, and they got sort of, they started doing quite well. Last Gang in Town from Cambridge were really pushing them, the promoters, yeah. good friends of ours. But they, um, they were pushing them and they used to, they'd come on stage and there were three blokes with dreadlocks, like skinny guys. And you'd, you'd think like, you'd look at them and just go, oh, it's going to be some kind of white reggae stuff. And then it just started. And it sounds like somewhere between crass and rancid, early rancid. And it's yeah. just like angry. It's just angry, but also like sarcastic punk. Like Ed's, Ed's lyrics are like, in the, in the way, you know, Tim Armstrong writes lyrics where like, if anyone else sung him, you'd think that's shit. That doesn't, that's yeah. just shit. For some reason, Ed's like that for me, where I, you read some of the stuff and I just think, I can't write that. But when Ed does it, it sounds fucking brilliant and profound and excellent. I, like, I actually boring. love that sort of shit. Like, I think like, some people can pull that off and some people just Absolutely. can't. Like, and I'm an LCH of that for me. Like, one of the choruses is just, it's fucking shit. And that's like, that's, <laughs> it's a punk song. You just think that's the most obvious thing. But when they do it, you're just like, yeah, it's fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just that, yeah, this album is just. Fucking... I love that. I love that. Like you know, when you when you're just like, you know what? Yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like one of one of Ed's other songs is like, if Jesus loved me, he's got a funny way of showing it. I never bloody see him. Like it's fucking excellent. <laughs> I just remember as well, like we used to put gigs on. So the the Wens was a pub in Lynn. It's the building's still there. I think it's something else now. And they, so our fr- <laughs> it was it was a weird time. Like our friends lived above it for a bit. Like two of them were on heroin. Everyone was on quite hard drugs. Everyone had some kind of mental health problems, and it was it was fucking weird. It was like a social experiment at times. It could get it was. I mean, it was always interesting. It was never boring, but it was also fucking bizarre. But we used to put gigs on in this place, and uh, it was a tiny pub. It was not set up for gigs at all. There were massive pillars fucking everywhere, and there was just this massive glass window the single pane glass window at the back and we used to put gigs on right next to that and no one for some reason it never went through and i still have no idea how the <laughs> it's single pane as well yeah that just, is fucking yeah. nightmare <laughs> yeah absolutely but yeah this album i just it just reminds me of playing gigs with them and just like it's just everything you want out of a punk album it's just angry and sarcastic and just how come they're not doing shows anymore if they're still because they're like oh, they split play- up like Years ago, the so Newtown Kings are still doing shows. Ed's still doing shows. Yeah, yeah. As far as I know, I just think I don't think they could find a drummer for ages, and then just just never came back together. As far as I and can tell, am I right in thinking you guys cover one of their songs? Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, I forgot. To, yeah, I forgot to mention. Yeah, Corporation, which we do a cover of, which everyone, which a lot of people have said was the best song off our last album, which wasn't <laughs> great for us. <laughs> But no, you, guys, you know, what? I think I may. I don't think I said those exact words, but I remember going up to you guys and going like, "That is a fucking killer tune," and you were like, "Yeah, it's not us." <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's fine. Um, 
but no, the, uh, yeah, yeah, we cover that because, yeah, it was our vain attempt of trying to get them to reunite. We did get, actually, a, a boot, we'd done it at a boot. Ed always joined us. If Ed's there, Ed will always come up and sing it with us. And then Newtown Kings were playing as well. So we got Ed and Tommy on stage to sing it together. That was pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, we cover, we cover the corporation. And not enough that people know ICH, so they can, a lot of people just assign it to us, which is great for us. <laughs> I think it was because I remember that song and then... Uh, no consequences. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that was my other really good friend. Uh, uh, I like... just thought actually, what we could do, we can pretend that we're doing what the Scar and Reggae does with just uh, copying older songs and putting our own. Spin. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's as you do. You still get it. You don't have to I, credit anyone. I thought of that until just now, <laughs> but that's exactly what I'm <laughs> from now on. <laughs> Oh man, um, I also really like, I love it when people have albums of bands that they like know, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I think that's yeah, fucking yeah. awesome, you know, like, because it's not just like, it's kind of not just like, well, this album was big for me growing up, but it's also like, it has like a real like emotional connection, like, you oh, know, yeah. like more than you can get from somebody you don't know as well. Like, Yeah, it was excellent. We've done loads of gigs with them and like they, their logo is a copy of... Um, the crass logo but yeah you know, ICH instead of the, the crass one and like yeah you used to have uh it was awesome they used to have a stencil of that and a paint and roller uh you know roller thing and a paintbrush yeah. and you used to just take whatever you wanted up to the merch stand and he just like paint, paint the <laughs> logo onto it it's fucking awesome that's a perfect idea do you know what I mean yeah yeah you just brand anything wherever you are <laughs> that is really good I was in like how like DIY it is like, but like, it's in like DIY is in like, um, like a B and Q DIY. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was like a lit, I don't know, maybe six inch roller, little paint tray, and just, like, <laughs> just normal house paint. That's fucking so many just have hoodies and like jackets with just this weird like logo just painted on. <laughs> uh, okay, so number three. Mm. Number three, I went for Jest. Uh, if people don't know, that's J-E-H-S-T, okay. uh, Return of the Drifter, which is his first album. This is not, this is a hip-hop album. So uh, when I was growing up, my best friend, uh, he's, he had an older brother that was like 10 years older than us, and he was big into hip-hop. Now, we were into like, this was when new metal and stuff was about. So we, this is when we first got into like rock music and all that kind of shit. So obviously, uh. when you're young, you can't like two things. You've only got to be one thing and all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, do I know that? <laughs> yeah. Did you I assume you done the same thing which is like got out of football because you found music and you were like, right, I can't like football as well. So I yeah football. You know, I used to be a music. fucking goalkeeper, man. Like and then like goalkeeper uh, like oh, I was a bad goalkeeper. Like I was not I mean, you can look at me and realize I was never born to sport. <laughs> I, was gonna, I, was gonna, I think a lot of goalkeepers are like six and a half foot, and they, they yeah, 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 like five foot eight and chubby. And I was just like, <laughs> this is for me. <laughs> Coming for England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, up until about 12, I actually remember telling my primary school teacher, she was like, oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? I was like, oh, I'm going to be the goalkeeper for my night. And she was like, she was like, oh, what happens if you're not going to be the goalkeeper for my night? I was like, no, I am. Oh, yeah, it's not an option. <laughs> yeah. And then I think I stopped getting into that and I did the same as you. And I just got like, I was like, I'm a music guy now. That's what I do now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't like, you can't, you can't be into music and football. That's mad. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So his, so his, his older brother was big into like hip hop and he showed us a load of stuff. I remember as well, specifically, obviously everywhere in Norfolk's like an hour apart because everywhere's far away. But we were on a, we were on a bus journey once 
and he, we were like 14 and he explained the whole of the East Coast, West Coast rap beat <laughs> for an hour. It must have been absolutely riveting for anyone else on that bus. <laughs> 14-year-old English white kid discussing Biggie and Tupac in death row. For which but, side um, was he on? That's the important side. Well, I'm, I, can't, I can't disclose that because otherwise, do you know what I mean? People would still take it quite seriously. I don't want to get him killed. But um, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, hip-hop was obviously like... I was always sort of into it growing up because of this, but obviously you can't, you know, you can't say, you can't say that. So I, uh, so yeah, this, this album in particular, if I, when I get writer's block, which is quite a lot with lyrics, I always find, I don't know how you do, but I, I always find I'll write the first verse and a chorus and then I'll get stuck and I'll move. Oh, on. dude, that's exactly what happens to me. I do it with every single song all the time and it fucking infuriates me. But this album in particular, but I always go to like UK hip hop and this album in particular, he is just an absolute, I'd say probably one of the best lyricists I've ever read. It's, it's fucking insane. This was early 2000s, this release. And he's from, like you were saying earlier, like post-industrial town. I think he's from Huddersfield. And like, just, just go, uh, so if I, if I try and stay off social media, I'll just go on, have you heard of genius.com? It's just like lyrics. Yeah, I have, yeah, yeah. People can, in, people can like highlight bits and interpret what they think. And it's not always, it's not always, you're valid or whatever but it's people's interpretation so i if i try and stay off social media i'll just sit and read genius and read people's lyrics and stuff and it's it's just insane like he the way he manages to like paint a picture um using like complex language but stay within certain flows is just it's absolutely genius i think hip-hop's like full of that sort of stuff though isn't it it's like like a really underrated genre in terms of like because a lot of people listen to that well it's not like I mean, like, and this isn't even that true, but like a lot of people listen to it and they, they listen to music and they go, well, like, it's quite simple, simple music. Simplistic, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, that may be the case. And often even then it isn't. But yeah. like, if you listen to how they're like rhyming a lot of the time or like what they're rhyming with what part of the... You have, yeah, there's so much that goes into it. that it, it's So I, I don't get a lot of art, right? My missus is into art. She understands art. I, with hip hop, I I believe it's similar to art in that you, if the more you get into it and the more you read into it, the more you'll get out of it and you'll understand more. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And because uh, so much of it is built on callbacks and nodding to other stuff, but like, I think the production on this album is just like I, I think it's just as far as I can tell, just a bass, drums, piano, and strings and some samples, and there's nothing else. So it's essentially it's like a it's like a spoken word album. You had a Gilskut Harong, he's like a an old uh, poet, like yeah. spoken word poet from America. But he it's similar to that kind of stuff. It's just like spoken word, but it's just yeah, just go, if you just go and read these lyrics, it's fucking it's just insane. It's it's so good. I think um, and, uh, what I like, uh, but if I just go say back to when you were saying like how you. Uh, right, first out, first first, and then you do your chorus. Yeah, yeah. Because I do the same thing, but like I think maybe one of the things is like what hip hop often does is it's just like almost like a constant stream. And I think it's yeah, easier. absolutely. But like I regularly write two first verses. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I yeah, do yeah. First, and then the second, and then I get to the chorus, and the 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 next part I will struggle with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah, it's, yeah. it's almost because it's like because hip hop is a lot of the time lyrically is like this one like narrative stream of consciousness or whatever absolutely yeah yeah so like i occasionally go like well maybe i should just write like you know like seven verses do you know what i mean yeah and then you then you edit 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's I've tried to start doing that, to be honest. Like just getting out everything on a page and then yeah. editing down. That's what I've tried to start doing because I just question everything so much that it sort of paralyzes me into doing nothing. And I end yeah. up doing little because I've got so much trying to get out. Do you uh, find that your second chorus, like uh, second verse, so it's like if you go back to songs that you have written previously, yeah. do you ever find that you prefer the second verse to the first verse? I don't know, to be honest. I've never really thought about it. Because I've always I, it like I, I said, I've always written one and then stopped, so I've always had to come back to a second one, do you know what I mean? But, that, but that's, uh, I think I've done a lot of like writing the first verse, writing the chorus, put off writing the second verse until like we are... Minutes in away, the studio. From yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've done that quite a lot. <laughs> and then, like, I've gone back and, like, and because it's like such a spontaneous motion, you know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like, I've actually, like, I've actually preferred the second verse. And, like, I've looked back on some of those verses which I thought at the time weren't that great and come back to it and gone, like, that was really, like, that was a really cool turn of phrase or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. For stuff like punk as well, that can be perfect. Do you know what I mean? In the moment, just spur of the moment stuff. Yeah. Perfect. Can it's, like, it's a big can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a big can. I think with the specials, this very much captures the feeling of his situation. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think Huddersfield, like post-industrial and all that, and it's that kind of, um, it just very much has that feel. Like, the whole album flows perfectly together. And, yeah, I just, it, it's not got, like, hooks on it necessarily either. It's not like, you're not going to listen to that and be singing along and all that, but, like, the words in it and like there's like multi-syllabic rhyme schemes in it that are inc like incredible and then yeah just if you sit what i do which is probably fucking nerdy but like listen to it and read along to the lyrics oh man like, i love doing that so much. yeah i was just like this is insane i don't i wouldn't i can i my brain would never think to describe something in that way and yeah. make it work as well as this is doing so it's not like if you're yeah i'm not saying everyone's going to pick that up and be like, yeah, this is hit after hit after hit because it's not. It's essentially like, 10 tracks of it have spoken words. Yeah. I, I remember I actually like... Excellent. Because I... Because I... You, I'd imagine you do the same sort of thing. So on, on my phone, I have like a big notes section. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. just like full of cool phrases or things that I like, you know. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, like... And they get uh, lost as well. That's the other thing. Yeah, you know, I know. Like, so uh, many. And then you, yeah. just, like, you go back and it's like four years ago and you're like, that was brilliant. Why the I fuck know. didn't I use that? I've lost so many of them as well. But like, uh, <laughs> I remember like uh, a good example of this is uh, the band Chewing on Tinfoil. They used the word smog in one song. And I was just yeah. like, my brain would have never farted out smog. Yeah. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, that would have never happened. And I was just like, that is such a cool, like, it's just like, you know, it's one word. You know, like yeah. a half a second in a song, and I was just like, and I was listening to it. I was like, I wish I'd used smog. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. Like, I always try and get better at it, but like, I just, I just read stuff like, like hip hop, and I'm just like, oh, I'm fucking shit at this. I'm. Never <laughs> <laughs> I know. My brain would never think of stuff like that. Like, how do these? I know, I know it's practice. Do you know what I mean? These yeah, of course it's practice, like, and also like. like also, people listening to your band and they're saying the same thing. Do you know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, like, it's yeah, like, of course. A yeah. lot of it is just like your your palette. <laughs> All right, cool. So we'll move on to number four. Well, we are number four. Right, cool. Number four. This, I picked Babyhead, Baby Boomtown. I mean, so, 
Yeah, I'm surprised. I was surprised you knew this actually. That was pretty cool. I didn't. I didn't know you'd know this. I love Babyhead. So oh, you're yeah, fucking phenomenal. But so my one of my other best mates, she moved to Bristol. She she's become a doctor now. She actually done something good with her life. She um, but she she went to med school in Bristol. So we as a band, we've always had a big attachment to Bristol. We've always gone down well there, and like we've got a lot of friends there. And to me, Babyhead, but this album in particular is. This is Bristol contained into one musical album. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I just, yeah, I just, I just think it's everything I love. So it's like, it's energetic. It's got, definitely got a punk edge, but it's got massive like reggae and dub influences. It's got a lot of hip hop influences. I think like lyrically, I think again, same with Jess. I just think he, it's a lot more light-hearted but i just think he's a fucking excellent lyricist he's, he's light-hearted but he's got like a really good turn of phrase oh absolutely some of the some of the, again it's the it's the phrasings and stuff i'm like i would never think to do that i think and he's so, he's like i don't know how tall he is but he's a tall as a small he's really he's got country, country yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> tiny like west country guy and he's just doing these incredible like raps over stuff i just think he's fucking excellent and like yeah. Yeah, and it's incredibly energetic. Like the al- this album in particular as well, they have that Lou Dresler character that pops up like the intro and like this guy, is this character throughout the album that runs through the whole thing. I just think it's fucking excellent. I am, um, that's kind of funny because like, uh, I, so I don't know if you know, but I grew up in Bristol. Mm. Um, I didn't know that actually. So uh, like I spent most of my life in Bristol. Um, yeah. and so I went to, um, so I went to Boomtown in 2000 and... I want to say seven. Fucking hell. That, that must have been the first one, wouldn't it? Was that within it was just a, a, a trailer and like No, it might be it might be later than that, maybe 2008. It was, it was between 2007 or 2009. Yeah. And then we went the following year as well. But it was all in one field. Yeah, was, yeah, I remember that. I went yeah, to it. Yeah. It was secret location. Yeah. You know, and I think the that year it was like Forrester Dean or something like that. And that no, maybe it wasn't Forrester Dean, but yeah, like it was secret location and like there was like Two stages, or yeah, 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 and you, you was like a thousand people, and everyone knew each other. You could see everyone knowing each other. Yeah, the first, the so, so, yeah. So the first one we went to was twenty twelve, and it was all in that bowl, and it was fucking excellent. You could walk everywhere within three or so four minutes. I didn't realize. So I hadn't been to the bowl until like two years ago. Like you know where oh, it is okay. now. You know where it is like yeah, now. Yeah, it's fucking huge now. Yeah, it's I like massive. and like honestly, the first year I went was like a thousand people. Second yeah. year I went was like, I think it was like. Three, four thousand people. Yeah, yeah. And then the third year when was like borderline, like eight years later, and it was like ten times as big. Yeah, yeah. Like more it's than it's that, so like. massive now, but it's like I don't know. I know it sounds wanky to be like, oh, it's better back then, but like the first year we went was genuinely like just fucking excellent. It was like, yeah. So, so it's all in that bowl thing. So we we went like Babyhead was one of the bands I really wanted to see. And uh, I think I think I read somewhere before I'd heard this album. My missus got me into this album, and I read somewhere that someone said, uh, "Babyhead of the Wu Tang Clan." If they were raised in the West Country on cheap cider and kebabs, and I was like, "That is exactly what it is." It's people rapping about their environment, but their environment is the West Country. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, um, yeah and like so we so anyway, so this boom down, like we went and we took took some shrooms and we had like a great time and like you know. My missus has always been, she's had like uh, real anxiety about death and stuff, which is a, a legitimate thing to be, you know, anxious about. Yeah, sure, yeah. We've done these shrooms, 
throughout the day, it was sunny, it was fucking brilliant. And she like came to this realization by herself. And she was like, basically, that we, and this sounds hippie as fuck. I realize how hippie this is. But like, she was <laughs> like, she was like, I don't, you know, I don't fear death anymore because I just go back to the earth. And like, she had this like real thing that's still with her now. So like, it's, it's cured her anxiety of that. And um, but anyway, so we, we've done this, had a great day. And then Baby Head were on that night. Me and Little Dan were really excited about seeing them. So we were like, okay, we'll take some illicit substances that make us feel happier. So we uh, so we done that, and as we done them, Hots went. Oh, I, I feel a bit, I feel a bit edgy in that, and I was like, no, because it was getting darker in that, and I was like, no, no, it'd be fine. We'll go see Babyhead. It'd be brilliant, brilliant. It's getting darker. So we, obviously, Boomtown's weird anyway. There's a lot of weird shit. Going yeah, on. yeah. She was still sort of tripping. We go to see Babyhead. They walk out on stage all dressed in white, like weird prophets or something. <laughs> and also, their trombone. Not only is he the singer really tiny. The trombone player is really fucking tall. I think he's about six foot seven. So it yeah. looks quite hard anyway. And they got out on stage. They started playing. And I was trying to like, I was trying to be supportive of Hawks and be like, you know, it's all right. It's all good. It's all good. And then they done the thing, which I think the hives do as well, where they just stopped dead in the break of the song and held the exact pose for about a minute and a half and like, but did, did not move. And that just threw her the fuck out. Like, oh, she could not handle that. So I need to fucking leave now. So I still hadn't come up. So I was like, oh, we'll, we'll go back to the tent and this will be fine. I was like looking after it. Got back to the tent. And we laid in the dark. She was having a really bad time. And I started coming up and I was just like, oh, God, this is terrible. Like, <laughs> time of my life in the dark in a tent. She's having the worst time ever laid next to me. And like I start rushing. Then little Dan come back to the tent and laid with us. He was also rushing. We were just laid there, like, fucking going mad. <laughs> and every so often, he just turned on the light and just go, oh, Jesus. I thought you had two sets of eyes then, two there and two there. <laughs> like, <laughs> this fucking tent, and it was terrifying. But, um, yeah, that was when we saw Babyhead at Boomtown. Uh, so Baby- I've heard that Babyhead, uh, Boomtown was named after Babyhead. Is it? I, I didn't know if it was linked on. I assumed it was linked in some way, but I didn't know which kind of. So I, I mean, I don't know if that's correct, but yeah. I know that like that was always like the rumor was that it was named after Babyhead. Yeah. And that's why they played every year. Like for, That makes sense. I, I just think this album is just fucking perfect from start to finish. I don't think there's a bad song in there and it goes, it flows perfectly. And also, this is one of them albums that I, I listen to as a full album, definitely. Yeah. Like, I, I can pick tracks off it. But like, I just think it flows perfectly as an album. It gets energetic when it needs to. It has some slower bits as well. And like, yeah, I just think it's absolutely perfect. And I got really, really into um, Heavy Weather, the one afterwards. Heavy Weather, yeah, that's a good album as well. It's a quality album. I think that's an interesting, yeah, because I think what you said is that they, the album's like, they are an album. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. They're cohesive. And that's quite rare, I think, especially for that, style of music as well do you know what Definitely. I mean? and and they they've done some interesting stuff as well it's not like they haven't just written the same album each time that that heavy weather stuff as well there's some weird sort of instruments and stuff yeah yeah these weird places really good but as well this i think i don't know this for certain but i'm pretty sure i can link this to the jest album well to jest anyway because oh, okay in the recording device song on this, do you remember there's a verse in recording device where he goes off into this weird tangent about going off into the woods and I don't remember the animals. <laughs> the end of recording device, there's a verse he does, and it's all about running off into the woods with his wife and kids and living with the animals. <laughs> but there's Task Force, who are another UK hip hop group. They first sort of one of Jess' first features and 
things to, that got Jeff Big with being on this song called Cosmic Gypsies, which is a similar thing about being in space and all the verses are about living in space and it's weird. It's, it's poetic and good. I'm, I'm not sure that that would have been a massive influence on Babyhead and I'm pretty sure that's what that verse is calling back to, but I don't know that for certain. Okay, that's cool. Theory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I reckon it is, yeah. But um, yeah, I just, I just think, yeah, this album fucking perfection i still like now i've been listening to this for 10 years and i can still whack it on now and it just makes me uh, yeah i'd I love i love an album like that as well just like uh yeah i remember seeing so again this is this is heavy weather but i remember seeing um i remember seeing them and uh they played swan song oh and, yeah 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 and like and like honestly like i think like two years later i hadn't actually tracked down the song is that the one about bradley from sublime Oh, I don't know. It might be. Oh, I don't know. I, I might be thinking of a different song. But it's one that goes like, this is my swan song. But like, it's just like, I had that in my head after seeing them for like a year. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, before I'd even like, like tracked down the music at the time. And yeah, I was yeah. just like, you know, that's serious hook. Serious <laughs> yeah, hook yeah. energy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, big hook energy. It is. <laughs> There's, they, they can write decent choruses, do you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. proper songs. I believe it's what I, I can't remember where I read this. I'm pretty sure one of them went to like jazz school or something. It might have been a guitarist. Like he was a jazz musician. He knew, you know, there's sort of people that know music, like properly know music. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think I've, I think I've heard that as well, actually. All right. Okay. We'll move on to number five. Number five, right. Number five is the cheesiest one out of everything. Yes. I. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this could have been lots of different things. I went for Dub Pistols worshiping the dollar. Okay, is, cool. Is, is, I was figuring I'm on a desert island, and I so I'm gonna need some like just happy tunes. Yeah. And yeah, this was it was either gonna be rum and coke or worshiping the dollar, but this was yeah, it's pretty cheesy. But this was like we were I got into this sort of stuff massively in around 2012, which was when when we started doing all right, like we put out bull and then we done like we first went to Europe in 2012 and we done we got uh, done a made a veil session in 2012 so like everything was going really well and that was actually the first time we done boomtown as well and i remember listening oh, to on the way down there and it's just got everything i don't know it is very cheesy and poppy as fuck but it is like yeah it's got it's got rodney p who's like the godfather of uk hip-hop has a carla on there as well and it's just like ultimate dance dubby reggae pop music but it's fucking i figure if i'm sitting on a on a, on a desert island this is the sort of stuff I'd want to... Yeah, absolutely. Into. I think that's kind of... Great. You need peaks and troughs and you need those things that remind you of home and it's those things that are going to make you feel great on that. Yeah, exactly. So this was like, obviously, because of touring and stuff, I'm, I'm going to try and word this uh, well. <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say. So because of touring and stuff, I, I obviously I was on zero-hour contracts for sort of 10 years. So when money wasn't coming in, uh, you have to turn to other means of making money and so, okay. yeah, <laughs> and so um so at certain times when you're making money less legally uh your house becomes sort of a party <laughs> this was just the album that like there was, i just remember in 2012 there was always a crew of about i'd say a minimum of 10 of us but up to about 20 of us would go everywhere everywhere we would just go and like this album just always came on when we were partying it was just i mean i i like because this was before I got into vinyl and stuff. I just had racks and racks of CDs and we'd just be hammered 
my mate would just drag her finger along and someone would shout stop and then like, you just put whatever oh man that's a, that's a cool idea yeah and we just this album just used to always I just remember this album everyone being hammered and everyone having a good time and this album always being on just always <laughs> yeah they were, they were really like, interesting band because isn't the pistols like correct me if I'm wrong but aren't they like mostly one guy and then like, yeah yeah it's kind I of think it's bit... Barry Ashworth I believe yeah. and to be honest Poop uh, from Beat the Red Light ruined them for me because his mate used to play trombone and it's, I'm pretty sure they mime a lot of the stuff on stage. A lot of it's just uh, a backing track. They yeah. do play. They are musicians and they play along, but they're playing along to a backing track. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're right. Honest, as well, I, when you're there, I don't give a shit. It's fun. It's like, it is what it is. Do you know what I mean? I'm not there because it's jazz or it's all like, I'm, you know, appreciating. I think it's, it's, a, it's a party band, isn't it? Yeah, of course. That's That's what it is. And so like, yeah, I, I mean, as much as that is true, he is, as a producer, and what he does, he clearly has a big love and big knowledge of sort of reggae and dub music. He's not an idiot, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah, of course. It's, it's, it's poppy music, but it's not, you know, he knows what he's doing. But um, yeah, I just love it. I just like every time I've seen him, even even if I even if I know they're mime, and I still think they're fucking to jump around to and just have a good time. I think yeah, I mean, they're also going to be on, let's face it, they're going to be on like... 11 or 12 you know when of course you, you've the had like a day time. of drinking <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> just what's, like, the, what's the latest set you've ever played uh oh man I I think the latest is probably not that late because we got very like because we're not like a, a four o'clock in the morning band yeah you know yeah I, mean? I know what you mean yeah yeah so it's like we got whenever we got like a super late set we were always like no like <laughs> <laughs> we're not that bad yeah, yeah so I think the latest we've ever played is like half 12 one o'clock or something like that and even then it was a bit like <laughs> <laughs> we, the latest we played this was before Jack Brew was in the band but it was his, his squat in Carnell's in London we played at 7am in the morning 7am <laughs> we didn't leave we didn't leave for the gig we didn't leave Norfolk till half 11 at night that's how late we were uh, what was anybody there it was yeah, no, obviously everyone was still up. everyone was still up. It wasn't like people would start. So we we were meant to play at like three or four, which was already going to be shit. But by the because of obviously it's a squat gig, everything going on. By the time oh, we got man. on, it was about. Se- There's a video of it on YouTube. It's created on here, Carnell. It's, it's seven a.m. <laughs> I can't, uh, man. I can't think of anything worse because the problem is like we always found that if we played really late. So I think like we played some great sets late. You know, like half eleven or something. When we yeah were, yeah. When we were like smashed or whatever, but like, if you ever played that late, the problem is, is it's usually at a festival, and at a festival, oh, yeah. you're there at fucking midday, and so you've yeah. spent <laughs> so long drinking. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Isn't, like, this is the problem, isn't it? It's the problem where you go like Europe, where everything's free, and you're like, ah. Oh. Yeah, it's it tough because there's nothing else to do either. It's not like oh, and you know, the, Europe always wants you to get you like you know like like Germany or whatever. They always yeah. want you there at like five, and then you get there at five, and they're like, okay, you're not playing till half ten, and it's like, <laughs> and you're like, why? Like, also, why are you doing this? Here's unlimited crates of beer for you <laughs> yeah, as well, but don't drink it if you want to yeah. stay sober. Yeah, here's the beer. Do you want to be now? And then it's like, <laughs> then you're like, you know, like you got like an inch away from finishing a beer, like beer. <laughs> you want to be? That's what I, I remember a guy that like the first recorded with, and he was in a band called the Skeptics, and they uh, they t- they done some talk, and he was like, we we hadn't really toured at this point, and he was going, it's fine, because he was an older guy at that point, and he was like, it's fine, but when you're on like a two or three week tour, 
10 days in, you've been drinking every night. You turn up to a city, people are like, oh, it's the party night. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, here yeah. for the gig. This is my night to party. And he was just like, yeah, but I've been doing this solidly now for weeks. Like, yeah. I can't fucking drink anymore. Yeah, I think, I think like, that's happened to us a few times when, like, people want to hang out. And you're like, I want to hang out, but I don't yeah. particularly want to get fucking smashed. Yeah. Or, like, sometimes it's just like, I want to go to bed. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're staying at someone's house and there's nowhere for you to go to. Yeah, I will just lie on this floor in the kitchen with all you guys hang out. Awkwardly tutting at you and not getting <laughs> anything fucking done. All right, so I don't know if I... I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but... A book. You got to tell Oh, me. yeah, I've got a book. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, so I, I generally read incredibly dull non-fiction books that I can't recommend to people because it's incredibly <laughs> fucking boring. So, <laughs> oh, not to you, though, surely. No, not to me. I love it, but it's it, very dull for a lot of people. So, I, so I've read some fiction. So this, this annoys the fuck out of Bob and it'll probably annoy other people. If I, I don't have a very big attention span, and if I, I, can't, I find it hard to watch series, and I find yeah. it hard to read a lot of fiction books... And if if I start trailing, I will just Wikipedia the episodes of what's going on. Skim <laughs> it, and I'll be able to have a conversation with you about what's going on. That's funny because you like nonfiction, but you can't deal with yeah. fiction. That's I weird. Can any, I can read politics, economics, and some science. I can read the most boring fucking shit, the most dense, dull, boring shit. But anything outside of that, I can't read at all. It's, I don't know why. Yeah, that so that's really strange. Very odd. It's not like I can't read a history book either. I, can't, I don't know why. It's just I try and I just find myself trailing off and so I don't bother. But same with TV shows. If something's like 10 episodes an hour long, I'm not getting to the end of that. I'll get yeah. two or three, I'll pick it up and I'll Wikipedia the rest of it and I'll talk to people about it like I'm <laughs> And uh, it's worked so far. Like no one fucking knows. <laughs> so what's your, what's your book? My, my, my book is The Ragged Trousers Philanthropist, which I did get through all of it. And I absolutely fucking loved it. Who's it? I don't know. I don't know. Have you never? Oh, this book's fucking excellent. If you haven't read it, it's definitely written by a guy called Robert Tressel, but that's his pen name. So his actual name is Robert Noonan, and he was a painter. He was a painter, a house painter from it was I think it was early 1900s. And yeah. so his pen name is Robert Tressel because of a trestle table sort of thing. Yeah, sure. And so the book. So it's an interesting book anyway. So the book is essentially the arguments of capitalism versus socialism. And it's told through the story of this group of people painting a house or doing up houses and they're hired. And obviously this was back before a lot of workers' rights were implemented. So they get sacked on the job on the day, won't get money. They'll just turn up, you know, and hope to get money for that day. They're basically, mm. it's, a, it's, it's semi, I think, I believe it's semi-autobiographical of him trying to raise his daughter and the character in this is trying to raise his family and stay out the workhouses that they had back then. Um, and yeah, and it basically he wrote this book anyway, and he couldn't get it published when he was alive. He died. His daughter managed to get it published, but they basically took out any of the socialist messaging in it. And, and then it got republished with all the messages in it. But it's just, it's just a really, really well told story. It's like, it's for me, it's quite gripping and, and it is perfectly encapsulates sort of socialist arguments in a very easy to digest way for people that might might not want to just sit and read fucking, you know, dull numbers and shit like that. It's it's, a, it's an actual story, and it I don't know. I just it it just it had a big effect on me when I read it. I was like, this is this perfectly encapsulates. If you're a left winger, 
it perfectly encapsulates the things that you think should happen. Do you know what I mean? And this yeah. was obviously before, uh, well, the Labour movement was a thing, but it was like, you know, before they'd won a lot of things, it was before uh, Soviets had taken over, so it wasn't, you know, lots of things. Yeah, it's just it's just a really, really good book. And then if you read into the history of it, it's got an interesting history as well. So I figure if I'm on a beach, I'm going to need a longer book also, a lot of the shit I read is going to be irrelevant if I'm on a beach by myself. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> I kind of like it's, it. Sounds interesting, man. Like I will check it out. It's definitely read. Yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 I love it. I think it's a really well written book, and it, it, it's a perfectly encapsulates a lot of arguments. You will if, if you're sort of especially. Obviously, I live in rural Norfolk. I have a lot of arguments with people about why it's still bad to be racist or why. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Those sorts of fucking arguments you shouldn't have to be having at this day and age but you do if you're a left winger that lives in those sorts of areas you will definitely identify with a lot of these arguments that the people have in this book and it's 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 so there'll be like one or two blokes that are sort of socialists in the group of builders and they're arguing at lunchtime which i've done on so like i can't even count the amount of times i've had to do this with people but over lunch breaks arguing with people about why Nigel Farage is a prick or whatever. That's, that's funny because because you work for the NHS, I feel like you're more likely to work with people mm. that have your... Oh, it's absolutely... It's very diverse where I work. Like, bearing in mind we live in rural Norfolk, we have, like, everyone from every every walk of life. And, yeah. I mean, like, not just sort of, you know... But also, like, you have, like, I think NHS, probably people people who work, I like to think, the people who work for the NHS relatively left. They, a lot of them are. But, like, I'm, you know, I'm just... I'm not qualified in anything. So I'm sort of, you know, more working class sort of areas. And they're, you know, they, those sort of ideas can take hold because they're the people that lose out quicker when things happen. Do you know what I mean? It's easier to blame people that are around you in it. So like, I'd, I'd say for the most part, I'm not, you know, I'm talking it down, but for the most part, people are good. I'm not, I'm not, you know, most people aren't like this, but I've just had to have a lot of fucking annoying yeah. arguments with people. But obviously when I'm surrounded in the punk scene, you forget that that's a thing, didn't you? But yeah. then you have to go back to it. But yeah, I'd say I'd say if you're if you're in that situation, you will identify with a lot of the things in this book for sure. Yeah, and, cool. and it's just a good story as well. Yeah, well that I mean that helps, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, just Wikipedia it. To be honest. <laughs> All right. Wikipedia it, and we can pretend. <laughs> so, um, uh, your luxury item. Oh, I didn't even think of a luxury item. Yeah, now you got your time. Not going to be a book, is it? <laughs> no. Can I take a dog? I just looked over my dog's. Yeah, you can take a dog, but, but you got somebody else. It means it's you got somebody else to like keep alive and shit. Yeah, that'd be all right. I'm sure there's loads of vegan vegan eateries on a abandoned desert island. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be like a tofu shop, wouldn't there, or something? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> Bougie fucking desert island never. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be gentrified by that point, wouldn't it? Well, man, I stole the idea of Radio 4, so it's probably bougie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, so you so you take your dog? Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I'll take I'll take. Oh god, that means I've got I've got two dogs. I don't know which one to pick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man, Sophie's choice. Actually, Nala's a Ridgeback Cross Mastiff, so I figure, like, if I'm going to have to start hunting stuff, she's going to be the one. So I'll take her. She's massive. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Mag Maggie's a bulldog. So she's fucking useless at everything. So I won't take her. I'll keep. Uh, I keep meaning to 
change this. Oh no, wait. I'll do. Would you be good on Desert Island? Would you be okay? Like I don't know. I I feel like I can. I fucking hate camping, and I cannot stress that enough. I despise camping, even at festivals. I will. I will put up with it at festivals. But I'm not going to lie. When we do, uh, when we do European festivals and we get hotels, that's a much better experience for everyone. Yeah, involved. the only the, I enjoy that experience much more. But then you have the problem of like somebody has to drive. Yeah, but. Jira on air, Jira on air. If you ever get that, the best festival, they have a shuttle bus. We shared a scout hut with the filaments, and brutality will prevail. Who I didn't know were a band, but what a fucking name! <laughs> we shared a scout hut in rural Holland, and they just drove us to and from the festival whenever we wanted. That's amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, I hate camping. So, would I do all right? I don't know. Uh, maybe. Depend, depend how set up it was. <laughs> yeah, you good with? I mean, like now is probably a good time to ask. Uh, can you, can you do like a lot of time by yourself? Are you good with the? Like, I've learned to in the last few weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've like I'm not a massively paranoid uh, prepper, but I have always, for at least the last five six years, kept at least a month's worth of food in my house at all times. So I prepare really? for a lot. Of stuff. Yeah, just because I can see. I didn't know it was going to be COVID. I didn't know it was going to be a disease. But I, I knew something was going to happen. After, after 2008, economically, something big was going to happen. And I fucking knew something was going to happen. So I just kept, we buy rice and tins and stuff. And everyone took the fucking piss out of me. And now I'm laughing because when everyone <laughs> was trying to panic by, I was sitting on a month's worth of fucking tins. <laughs> that is fuck awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I keep meaning to change this uh, question, but so far I haven't because I'm not prepared. Um, <laughs> which also is a better thing because we went on tour with you guys in 2015, one thing. Uh, no, 16 because it was when we released uh, yeah. Rage, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So and that was a good tour, wasn't it? I enjoyed it was that. a fun. It was a funny tour. Uh, like, um, and so this has more relevance. So you discover a book. Right. Yeah, on this island, and this book has a a, a spell in it. Ooh. And uh, if you say this spell, you get to go home. But this, okay. when you get home, all music is Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> Do you go home? <laughs> oh God, I don't know. But like all oh. music is like literally anything. Oh. <laughs> anything. If I try and write new music, yeah, it just comes new- out as Nickelback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Has this been on all your podcasts? I feel like I've listened to most of your podcasts. Uh, no, we do. So I maybe the last like ten we've done it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, oh, I don't know. Oh God. Like I like I don't hate Nickelback in the same way people have a burning. Yeah. I'm sort of indifferent to them. Like I don't <laughs> like. I wouldn't listen to them, but like I know people fucking hate. Them. Yeah, I think that's um, why it's great because like most people don't care that much. Because you no, know what I mean, like but, any band like that. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Um, Imagine trying to write a song and it's always coming out as like, this is how you write it. <laughs> I think that's the thing, isn't it? That, that would be the biggest head fuck. It's like, you can't even change it. It's not like yeah. you think, oh, I could, I yeah. could write some Oh, tunes. I'll put it in E minor. <laughs> this is a... No! <laughs> just trying to write a different lyric and it's coming <laughs> yeah. out as Nickelback words. Oh, no, I'm going to have to stay on the desert island. <laughs> The best I've got thing my about, five albums, a book and a dog. I'll be, I'll be all right. The best thing about that question when I was thinking about it earlier was the fact that we wrote on the back of your van, we love oh, yeah. Nickelback. <laughs> yeah, you did, yeah. 
I mean, to be fair, you eventually, you won. You won that argument. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, but uh, that night you definitely won because we done, like, I think we stuck some pictures in your van and then you just covered our whole windscreen in pictures of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good, that was a really fun tour. That was a fun tour. We should definitely, we like, we always say this and never fucking do it. But we should do it again. Yeah, we should. It should definitely happen. Uh, I think it was just like, it was, a, it was a collaboration of the same type of people. So I think it was. Yeah, like, I think that's, that's like what our scene's based on, though, isn't it? It's sort of like just people with the right attitude, isn't it? So before we sign off, have you got anything you'd like to like push? Well, <laughs> I would say our new releases and our upcoming tours, but obviously everything's <laughs> So just please try and stay inside, not spread this fucking deadly virus around would be great. <laughs> also, never vote Tory. because I, yes. I, Yeah, because I fucking worked for the NHS since I was 19, and I can guarantee you these cuts have kicked the shit out of us. And now it's all coming around about all the old people in the fucking ass, isn't it? And I don't, stop clapping as well. Don't fucking clap. You know, <laughs> yeah. Annoying. Yeah, I, I think it's difficult. Like, I think that's funny with the clapping thing because um, obviously we're like we're incredibly lefty household as well. And like Laura works uh, as a doctor, but like yeah. uh, she got I got a message off of like somebody saying, "Are you clapping?" We didn't even know it was happening. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, and then like I was spoke to Laura, and she was like, "Well, no, like, yeah." Like, why would I do that? That's like, how's that going to help anything? Like, if it was once and it was spontaneous, I'd be like, yeah, that's a nice thing to do, show respect. But it's become like a fucking poppy, isn't it? You can't just yeah. wear a poppy and show a bit of respect. You've got to like fucking paint your face like a poppy and like go dress as a giant poppy and just like it <laughs> its own fucking thing. And you're like, right, well, you've ruined any respect of this that we had. I, I absolutely show your respect for the nurses and stuff, but for fuck's sake, like just become mm. weird like people are getting pots and packs. my dogs go fucking mad every time it happens now people get pots and pans yeah <laughs> <laughs> they are like saucepans I'm like what are you doing yeah, I think like I, I I like I don't think it's horrendous but like what pisses me off is the amount of people that are there clapping away the vote Tory and you just yeah like, you're like I, I yeah yeah absolutely I no sympathy for them fucks no <laughs> All right, anyway, cheers, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for dropping me off on a desert island. This is fantastic. All right. All right. Bye. <laughs>